Hey everyone and welcome to Previously in the Multiverse. I am Peter and joining me, as always, is Connor. I get a little bit more pizzazz on this show. It's hard to go straight to zero after interesting myself. With the main show I've got Matt in the middle as a buffer. I can sort of do Matt with a reasonable amount of excitement and then, you know, the contrast yeah. isn't the same and it's just me to you. Yeah, I don't get quite as much as pizzazz as Matt gets, but I mean, more than on the average show, so yeah. I'll take it. Yes, this is our sister DC Comics podcast. We have a main show, of course, called Comics from the Multiverse, where we review new comic books released by DC every week. But this is our show where we look at the past and we read some runs from before. So coming up on this week's show, uh, we're going to tell you the five runs that we've already done a couple of issues of. We are going to be doing Detective Comics 569, which is the next issue in what we're just simply calling Post-Crisis Batman. And we are going to be doing Wonder Woman issue 3, uh, from the New 52, Brian Azzarello's run. We're going to do The Flash 62, the first proper issue of Mark Wade's Flash run. we got Birds of Prey Manhunt issue 1, uh, continuing Chuck Dixon's Birds of Prey run. And then we have GSA issue 2, which is the John's run, but of course John's isn't on it until issue 6. And starting this week, we have a sixth book because we had a vote on Patreon, patreon.com slash TV. We had a vote of four different Superman books, all sort of shorter runs kind of so that we can have a bit quicker turnover uh but we are going to be doing superman issue 160 that's superman volume 2 specifically the one that started in the 80s uh, along with the uh, burns man of steel uh, and this is going to be the the superman emperor joker story uh which takes place over nine issues so that'll be the next this episode plus the next day i'll uh work through that then we'll have another vote uh, although to be honest we're already kind of feeling confident that we'll probably do a seventh and have a patreon vote for that as well and sort of cap the show there and say that's what the format is for yeah going forward for the, f- uh, for the foreseeable future and until batman yeah. overwhelms us because I, I think what we realized this because even though we added on a book because all the books this week were all regular sized issues because the first week there was like two 60 80 page like giants last week there was still an annual sized book this week was actually kind of easy like getting through these six books they were all pretty you know normal yeah, sized I- I started earlier in the day than I usually would, thinking I'd need the time, and and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm done. That that was easy enough." Yeah, and I, I had no idea. Like before, I read Superman one sixty. I had no idea was was that going to be a dense book? Was that going to? And then I, I opened it and looked at the first page and went, "Oh, this is going to be an easy read. <laughs> this is going to be a brisk Soon one." Just saw the creative team. I was like, "I know what to expect from this." Yeah. Uh, so no, uh, fun time. I mean. Yeah, I mean, Detective is the oldest book there by a little bit. So, you know, Flash isn't that much newer, but uh, Detective probably took the longest to read just because it's a bit denser in terms of its descriptions. But other than that, yeah. um, easy going. So, um, so yeah, so expect probably a second Patreon vote in a month or so uh, for the seventh slot. We'll, we'll be deciding what we're going to put in there. Uh, but something. Uh, will it be short? Will it be long? I think we're going to run out of short things if we always put short things in all the votes. So... Maybe this one will be a bit longer than the Superman options, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. it might be one longer vote and one shorter vote, so at least you still get some revolving voting. Yeah, and the plan is, of course, with Elsewhere, which is going to be the show that's on the other two weeks, because this is every other week, this show, uh, once that starts, is that there'll be a similar thing, at least one book, which is like you know an ongoing of the past like this, where we'll let patrons vote on that as well for a non-DC book, so... Um, so we'll probably do one or two of that on that as well. We'll start with one, see how it is with uh, whatever we're doing, um, and that's still coming soon. I'm catching up on books. I'm I've caught up in Daredevil. I'm working through Buffy and Angel right now. Uh, so 
Well, once there's enough books to make it worth doing a show, we'll do we'll do a show. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much ready. I'm just waiting on Pete because I never fell behind on all of my books. In the same I way fell behind did. on everything. <laughs> he really did, like literally everything. I literally didn't read a non DC book for like eight months. It was like that. That's. that's I what I go like spells of maybe two months where oh my pile's kind of stacking up. Should probably knock that out at most, and that's even with the odd book I'm still reading. mm Hmm. Mm-hmm. For the record, though, Dear Devil's been very good, and Buffy the Angel's been very good too. Uh, I've only read the first issue of Hellmouth, but I dug it a lot. Hellmouth is the best thing right now. Hellmouth's great. I've only read one issue of it, but I love it. Yeah, you will continue to. Joe, you know I love about it. Not to tangent this into like, talking about that, just uh, but I just I love that it's not that many issues into both series, but having like this time before Buffy and Angel finally met, it felt kind of special when once they did. And their mm. banter immediately felt right. It was like, oh, that still feels like Buffy and Angel talking. Even though the circumstances of the meeting is completely different. Even though Angel somehow has already met Fred and gone. <laughs> you know, no like, question. Yeah. You know, but I'm having... Uh, it's just good. It's good stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's, without further ado, let's get into this week's books. We Detective Comics 569. This is Mike W. Barr writing with Alan Davis uh, on the art. And we were... F- we you know we we relatively enjoyed the last issue of Detective, uh, which is the same 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 team, same writer at least, um, but we definitely were more enthusiastic about the issue of Batman we did last episode. Hmm. Uh, we thought that had a lot more going for it. I still kind of stand by that. This still this this issue had a lot more dated dialogue. Uh, still, you know, Batman has a couple of lines that just feel like these goofy like of the era like goofy like you know yeah remarks it's not bad and again it's it's one of those things that it's fun reading now in the the time capsule sense of yeah. hey look at all these things we're still doing like batman retiring with selena is that a possibility ever yeah they set that up uh at the start i, I think the issue is a bit weaker for me than the last uh, detective issue we did as well mainly because I think the first half when they're you know there's this cat gang this this gang of cat burglars who apparently used to work for Catwoman, uh, like Batman and Robin come in and they you know capture them and it's it's great. Um, I'm on the next issue here. I'm not looking at the right one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, they capture this guy of uh, cat people and you know Selena shows up and she flirts a little bit. Uh, there's a little joke where you know like he's like not in front of the boy Selena and Jason's just like oh boy he's just like in the yeah. foreground you know, there's some jokes like that and the and it's fine um a catwoman's entrance looks pretty cool they, they do this sort of blood red kind of thing in the panel where everything goes red and uh the scratch comes in yeah i mean that looks good and it's, it's like, I like it's, the uh the outfit at the time i'd kind of yeah you know, i wasn't sure which exact outfit we were in at this point uh, uh, yeah i like this one i like the green cape i like the one that comes after this more the the more the the, the balance one you know the yeah, I know, I get it. That's that is probably better, but I do like the green cape. Uh, but no, I, I like when she's cutting through the uh the panel. Those are, the effect is that she sort of actually cut through. But even her nails are actually kind of overgoing the panel a little bit to really sell it. Uh, I like that. Uh, That's good. So no, but the the issue kind of then shifts to the Joker. The Joker is in a in a humph. He's not happy. All these henchmen are pissed that they're not getting paid, but they're too scared to tell him about it and. Mm. Then the guy comes in, sort of explains that there's there's Batman stuff going on, and Joker gets an idea. Uh, he wants to, you know, lure the Batman into a trap. And uh, there's a bit of a running gag here, actually. There were Jason's training with Bruce, 
and he's and a bit he, shit. he gives him a scenario and Jason's like oh fine I'll use this on my utility belt and Bruce just like snatches it away from him he's like no that's a crutch you will yeah, solve just, this without he's just got a little a little knife and he just cuts the, the utility belt off and he's like now what are you going to do bitch and that, that was amusing enough but what really sells it is the running gag where they go up for dinner because Alfred's prepared dinner and just as Jason's about to dig into his food Alfred pulls the plate away and says nope you know the rules and then look outside in the bat signals there's like shit so there's a running gag here just and it's only two times but it's just a little running gag of Jason not being able to use whatever he's about to you know do so anything that frustrates Jason Todd is something I'm a fan of yeah uh, and I like this part of the show. I like this part where you know Batman and Robin are uh, with Gordon. Uh, Selena's there as well, and she's kind of being this sort of additional element to make things a bit flirty. And J- Gordon's like, "Hey, this Joker card was sent into one of the precincts, um, and it's got a note in the back that sort of hints." And there's a little bit of them trying to figure out what this hint means, and you know, Batman figures it out. Uh, the reason why I don't like this issue as much is once they actually we get to the the Joker and his goons at this museum, is that I wasn't super into. A, a lot of the, the the stuff. I mean, not so much them fighting Batman and Robin when they get trapped in the sort of the, the web stuff. Um, more yeah. so afterwards when it's Joker and the scientist are kind of like going back and forth for a few pages. I kind of feel like the whole thing ground to a halt there. Um, it's only like two pages, but it's two, it's two of the densest pages. Yeah, um, you feel it for sure. I, I definitely felt it, uh, but it obviously goes back to Batman and he breaks out of his uh his webbing and. So he has based- to save Jason because Jason couldn't pay attention and just relax <laughs> like he was told. Well, I mean, that kind of sums up Jason in a nutshell, right? Is that he can't relax. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, pretty much. But uh, so the whole thing that the scientist, what he's doing there and what, what they've been stealing is to make this this chair, a brainwashing chair, essentially. It can reprogram the mind. And the end of the issue is a cliffhanger where they've got Catwoman in it. So they're going to reprogram her to presumably go against Bruce. And what I will say I like about the issue is that it actually establishes in the first half that Catwoman's kind of an ally, even though Batman's kind of skeptical about it, that she's trying to prove that she is on his side. So it does thematically give you a nice little sort of, you know, a little tee-off for this at the end where it's, okay, now she's going to be used against them and... It'll be this, you know, mixed thing for Batman where, like, is she just being evil now, or does he have to? He's, he's going to have to truly believe that this isn't her, and he's going to, you know. So yeah, uh, I my fear is that it won't get as deep as that. Um, probably not. It'll be very service level and frustrating. Um, I hope I'm wrong. You're probably right, but at the very least, I do think setting that stuff up in the first half does make this ending feel more exciting. It does, yeah. So I'll give it that. Um, yeah, that was just not bad. I mean, it's definitely the densest book we read, and not for good reasons. You know, it's not like it's dense because it's got so much content, and it. it's just more like it over explains things at times, or yeah. there's too much dialogue at times. Or and dense doesn't necessarily mean bad. Like the last issue of Batman that we had was still fairly dense, and that was you know leaps and bounds better than this. I you know I really like that issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if that you're was still dense, if you're sucked into the story and every page dense isn't really that much of a problem. Yeah, but. Uh, this, you know, there was times where it was just pulling me out of it a little bit. Um, yeah. And the art's fine. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a terrible issue by any means. It's expressive enough. I actually think Jason's expressions are some of the best, and I hate to say it, but <laughs> uh, maybe it's because he's got that kid-eyed wonder. He's, he's able to like, just have him be more goofy in his reactions. Yeah, I think it helps that they've got really playing up the... How how large his eyes are in comparison, you know, because mm-hmm. you you're the, the the white eye slits on the on the, on his mask. Big cheeks as well. He's got his cheeks that you know whenever he smiles or whatever, they're really puffing yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, that does help. 
So also, lot... I think they can just get away with a kid smiling more than Bruce. That's well, that's true. I mean, Selena smells a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but with Selena, it's always a, a smirk more than a smile. Yeah, yeah. That's a sly one. So, yeah, yeah th- this does feel like peak, uh, like, you know, procedural Batman sort of era where it literally is like Gordon calling Batman, hey, the Joker's escaped again. He's on the list. Something's happening. Like It's, it's the next issue of Batman. Yeah, it really does feel like that. Um, whereas I think Batman itself, at least from the last issue we read, is actually tackling some more interesting ideas. Has 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 more of a mission statement that it's trying to make. Whereas this feels like it's just now. Oh, here's your next rompy Batman story, and that's fine, but that's exciting. It's not. Although I appreciate there is that. Yeah, both going on at the same time. Yeah, it means you've 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 got both. You've you've got the good sort of like trying to be a deep story about Batman, and then you've also just got the rompy like here having another adventure every month just to. Enjoy yeah, it. you got the best of both worlds, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe it's kind of like that just now. It's just that Tomasi's writing. So I think the problem is that now is that all writers are trying to do the next big great story. Like, so yeah, it's it... one of those things where every story has to be five to seven issues, usually six, and mm-hmm. there's there's not really much room for just these one or two issue stories. And then when they do, they often fall a bit flat. Looking at you, Batgirl. Hmm. Um, that's a weird example though because I actually think before this current writer Batgirl was actually very good at doing all these little two issues it was I, one, I meant one... specifically this last kind of issue in the yeah. fantasy which is a two part story which well, is just like because eh. some of my favourite issues of Batgirl since Rebirth uh, were the one on the plane with Ivy which is the one shot and then the one where she's helping the girl find her dog like yeah it's something of a, of a lost like um Certainly on about uh, Snyder's Batman run, but between arcs, he used to do like you know like one or two issue stories, and I always really enjoyed them. They were a nice like breather, um, just you know set the you know reset the pace a little bit. And the second half of the run, they were better than the actual stories. Sure, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm not fighting you on that, um, but I think it, it's I think it, it's it's kind of a something that's lost in that. Okay, so we do we have a big six to twelve issue story of okay, this is the big thing. And then it's straight into the next big thing. Having just that one or two issues in between of something smaller kind of resets the scope a little, I think. No, that's exactly what Scott Snyder should have been using in his Justice League. He should have had these yeah. quieter issues between arcs. Yeah. Uh, but that, I, I don't into... mean just Snyder, no, I mean like yeah. most books. <laughs> yeah, but that's just the example I can think of that really needs it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More than most. But anyway, uh, what, are you, what are you going to give Detective Comics 569? Uh, I'm going to give it a six. I mean, it's still enjoyable enough. It's just uh, not as strong as some of the other stuff that we've had. Yeah. Um, I'll go... I'll go 6.5. I, I, don't, I don't want to quite say good, but... Hmm. You know, it's close to <laughs> before you can get it to good, I suppose. Uh, so... There you go, that's the 569. Uh, we will move on to Wonder Woman issue 3. Brian Azzarello, Cliff Chang, of course. This is the new 52, issue 3. We ended the last issue with Diana um, Strife telling her that she's her sister, you know, revealing that you're Zussie's son, uh, daughter, son, daughter. Uh, and this issue kind of is the fallout of that, but also the attack on Themyscira and everyone kind of like cleaning up the mess and, uh, you know, burning the dead and, and all the rest of it. Uh, yeah. It's another gorgeous issue. Um, I mean, the art's very consistent, so it's just, you know, hard to... Hard to yeah, really I'm, I'm dreading the bit where I know it gets to a bit where, where Chang's on like one in every like three or four issues because he's mm. you know fallen behind and 
you know, like it's not like there are bad fill-ins. You know, the, the art uh, from memory never gets terrible, but it's never quite the same. I'm, you know, I I don't love Chang the, the, as much as you do. Like, I think he's solid. Um, but I I think it really what really sings in this issue is towards the end when Diana sort of burns all the the bodies. You know, when she just sort of like does oh. that in Fury. I think that's one of the better moments in the in the issue. Um, because a lot of it before that is just the uh, almost the reaction to what we found out. Uh, and Diana confronting Hippolyta. Hippolyta try to you know tell the story of how this happened, although not with a lot of details. In my she just kind of says, "Ah, we had a thing," and I'll keep part it's of that to myself. Kind of there, and yeah, yeah, sure. And that's that's basically as there was a funny moment though. I liked when they were yelling out uh, angry metaphors about you know kids playing God and. Uh, the the new girl the human just kind of shouts out Zola I think her name is right uh, yeah just just shouts out yeah and how about uh, when they capture fireflies and smear bug asses across the pavement to write their names as glow in the dark uh, everyone just kind of looks at her like what are you talking about <laughs> that was oddly specific uh, yeah so that was a fun enough moment uh, so you know um, yeah it's basically you know the entire story of her origin that you know that that it was up till this point. Uh, was an intentional story they they created so that Hera wouldn't get mad that that Zeus cheated on her again. Yeah, the idea that Hera would just kill this killer as a baby if she knew about her. Uh, so yeah. this was kind of all a cover, and you know, it's uh, tensions are running high. Some of the Amazons are getting kind of pissed and they're angry about uh Diana being there and uh kind of the the wrath that she's brought with her. And you know, Diana has this kind of big moment where she's like, you know. Do not call me Diana again. Do not. This is. I mean, this is the end of the issue. Don't call me Diana. Do, do not call me Clay because that was kind of a, 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 you know, a bully nickname that she had as a kid. Um, yeah. She's like, no, I'm Wonder Woman now. She's kind of like, you know, giving up her. And it's so funny because this is such the opposite thing of like everything we've seen from Wonder Woman in the last few years, where she's trying to keep a hold of her Themyscaran past and to be honest, this was such the opposite thing of what was happening in every other DC book at that moment. Oh sure, like, yeah. You know, in in Justice League, but you know, nothing like this was was you know going on with Wonder Woman. This is so far removed from anything else. Yeah, best part of the book totally is when she storms off, punches a tree down, just gra- you know punches uh, the other uh, Themyscira and Amazon, I don't know what she's called, um, and just grabs the torch and sets fire to everything. And that's how it's she walks the, uh, off. It's the panel with the the black behind it where she blows the torch across. Mm. Uh, ah, that is gorgeous. Yep, and she walks off, and that's kind of it. I am Wonder Woman. She's kind of disowning Themyscira and going on her merry way. Um, yep. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's funny because it, it has the it has the challenge of not really having much action, right? You know, it has the flashback, but just which kind of has a little bit, but it's not really that type of issue. Uh, so it has to kind of exist and land purely on its its character interactions. But honestly, given what we we're just talking about with uh, you know slowing the pacing down and having you know resets and things like that in between arcs now, this is not in between an arc of course but i do think initially this is important to make the the more action issues feeling like they're a bigger deal i think it's a bold move to have it so early in a series um you know three issues not just in a run but like three issues into a book um i think i think it's a it's a statement to kind of do an issue like this and see okay will the audience stick around yeah, um, I think it's a wise choice. I appreciate it, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I think it's a, it's a solid issue. I, I don't have like 
heaps of praise yeah. for it, but I don't have. I think it's um, fundamentally less exciting than the previous two um, by its nature, but there is very little I can point out as wrong with it. Um, I think you know, everything in it is, is really well done and solid, and it's all, okay, uh, telling us this character stuff. It is uh, showing us what this story meant to Diana, you know, her whole life of you know, being called Clay and, you know, and, and re- rewriting her entire history. Not just from our perspective, but for her, and why why she feels the way she does, and is so angry at the end of the issue with you know her family essentially. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it. So, what are you giving it? A uh, little bit less than the the previous couple of issues, but uh, still loved it. So, I'm giving it an eight. Uh, solid seven for me. I, I think I love the ending. I think the ending is the strongest part because it does so much without saying that much. Uh, the first sort of two-thirds does rely there's, 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 a, there's a lot of uh strive kind of like going there and things like that um which i don't necessarily enjoy as much but once it gets to the emotional kind of uh you know peak of it uh, as connor tries to hold in a hiccup and fails miserably uh <laughs> it's pretty good so uh seven out of ten for me uh which will take us on to the flash issue 62 mark wade writing with greg larock on art this is the first proper issue of his run. Obviously, he did the special. Well, he did the wraparound of the special. He did the annual issue four, which was kind of this weird tie-in to like a, an event slash thing. <laughs> I yeah. don't even know what you call it. Um, where is this? Is uh, you know, start of an arc. Uh, in this case, it's the start of his origin story, uh, told via flashback form, uh, where Wally ends up with like a sort of diary, a, a, a scrapbook that Iris made. Uh, about his his origin, about the, the summer he became, uh, well, Kid Flash essentially. I mean, it, if, I, if I remember right, because I've read this story before, I don't think he ever gets his true Kid Flash outfit in this. But uh, you know, he gets his powers and he learns a lot of his early lessons. And it's about you know that fundamental relationship that he had with Barry. Yeah, um, and I think what makes uh, this this story really sing, or what I really like about it anyway, is that. It really, as much as some of it's a little bit cheesy, it really hones in in what the idea of the Flash was to Wally before he met him. Like, you know, there's this excitement when he talks about going to Central City, he talks about going to uh, meet, you know, his his aunt and how much she means to him. And he brings up a little bit of the family tree and, you know, what, what his, you know, uncles and aunties were like and what his grandfather is. Because that, that's kind of the key. Is that, I mean, there's a little bit of action at the start where he, he saves a an airport from, from a bomb. So there's, there's an action scene. We get to see him as the Flash doing some Flash things at the start. Uh, and I think the art's really good uh, there actually. Yeah, me too. It's real good. A lot of swooping around, really defined. It looks good. Um, it's very athletic in a, in a in a way that I think has sometimes gets forgotten in Flash comics now. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, but he runs into his grandfather, which leads to like the box of old stuff uh, and the scrapbook that the Iris kept. Who, by the way, in continuity right now, Iris has been dead for a couple of years. Um, yeah. Obviously, that doesn't stick, but <laughs> more than that, uh, when we get to it, if, if that even occurs in this run, I, I imagine it probably does. I don't know. I've never well, read not, Wade's run. Well, not in the run, but like, it, we'll find out. We'll find, that's part of the fun of doing this, is we'll find out when these changes. Yeah, there's a lot of things that we know. Oh, X was dead here, and they were obviously alive again at this point, but we don't know the specifics of in-between. Yeah, there's a lot of details with comic books that you have to. I think it was just a uh, just last time we I think it was that we were talking about uh, Green Arrow and like yeah 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 uh, and we're kind of like oh okay the the yeah we we were both kind of right and there are 
there are things that we we know the the general events but not the circumstances and the stories yeah so iris picks him up because he spends the summer with her in central city and you know the the, the cheesy part is how like flash shows up because he's stopping a robbery and wally gets to help him <laughs> like just by happenstance that's definitely the cheesy element like okay so better than those and yeah this is definitely the the kid wish fulfillment <laughs> absolutely uh but i think because it's from his perspective though and he feels like he's genuinely helping and he actually and he is like you know he does he helps the flash um it does actually play with the right kind of like tone and sentimentality to it mm, sure i'm with you so no, he's super excited. And then he meets Barry, and we do the it's basically the Lois Lane love triangle thing, right? Where he thinks Flash is the greatest thing ever, but Barry Allen, he's a boring old fart. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like you know because we've got this this narration from the future essentially. Yeah, uh, you know he's like, oh yeah, I knew there was so wrong. No one could be that dull unless they were trying to be. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny, and it's like Iris must have known something because. This this was ridiculous. No way she could be interested in a man like this. Yeah. Uh, do we do we know if Iris knows that he's the Flash right now, or is she's not in on it? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Inquiry, mate. If anyone uh, listening to the show knows if Iris knows he's the Flash, I mean it's only relevant for this first arc because after this, obviously, we're just into more Wally present day stuff. But uh, yeah, curious all the same. Uh, but no, I I love that where uh, you know. Th- they're talking about his lab work and Wally just sort of says, oh, sounds fascinating. You know, not really being sincere. And I says, I, I think so. Tell, tell him what you do, Barry. And then the next bit of narration on the next page with a clock above his head is just, so he did. <laughs> yeah, I love this clock in the background, how it gets bigger every time. Yeah. And time's not even moving that much. The entire thing's maybe like 50 minutes. Yeah, no, it's good but, stuff. Yeah, you know, he's just devastated by the end. But of course, Barry takes Wally for the afternoon to his lab to show him stuff and he's like hey do you want to meet the Flash we're good friends uh, and he swishes past him and he's there in costume and he's like whoa Flash can you tell me about yourself like who are you really he's like no I can't tell you that <laughs> it's, actually, it's a really fun exchange actually because he's like okay ask me anything anything you want it's like who are you really except that <laughs> uh, but he's like okay how did this happen and he explains you know the, the bolt of lightning and standing next to the chemicals and then out of nowhere lightning strikes twice because lightning hits wally uh while he's standing next to the same you know similar stale chemicals and that's a cliffhanger for the next issue um very sudden i think this is something that uh throughout his run is going to be less stupid because well mark wade kind of i believe invents the speed force <laughs> so yeah so you know we have our things so it, coming. it becomes less just a oh look at this hokey coincidence and more yeah. this this was meant to be but I think what makes this work, and I'm kind of speaking with the, the, the foresight of having read the arc as a whole as well, but is that because everything's from Molly's perspective and because he is so like sincere in how much he loves the Flash and how much he wants to be better, that I think you kind of forgive a lot of the, the cheesier elements of it. And it's almost like Mark Wade said to himself that I wanted to you know, do this origin story, I wanted to you know, do a proper six-issue version telling the entire story, uh, give him an arc, but I don't want to betray the Silver Age kind of, like, feeling of it. You know, it's, it still kind of has that feel to it. Yeah, it feels like he knew he wanted to deconstruct it later by adding in elements such as the, the Speed mm. Force, but wanted to establish, you know, okay, here's a definitive version of it first, 
so that we can then mess with it later. And it works really well on its own as the Silver Age version of the Orge. I mean, it's, it's obviously not written exactly like Silver Age. You know, it's not as dense by any means. Much easier to read, yeah. Yeah, but it, it definitely has that feeling to it. it has that feeling and uh, tone. And like I said, the art is really good. I think uh, Laroque's the, the regular artist for a while. I think. Um, oh, cool. And I think uh, you know. It, we don't see a lot of him in the suit, admittedly, because of the, what the arc is, but I think his flash in the suit does look very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah very definitely. expressive. Very, uh, you know, I, I, I like how defined, like, his, his, his going to sound like I'm, um, <laughs> but, you know. I feel how, like I know where you're getting at. But yeah. his muscles, like, everything looks really defined and, like, well-shaped, yeah. right? You know, he it, it, it feels like he's... It's it's one of those things that's never really translated well to the screen is like having the tight suit with the muscles, but you know, it essentially boils down to two things. Either you have really thin spandex to kind of like so you can kind of see it the way it's supposed to look, and it looks kind of cheap, or they put on these fake muscle lines onto the the suits and it looks really stupid. Well, yeah. yeah, I think I think Flash can actually benefit in a way that others don't. In that, uh, even you know what we do in the comics now is. Uh, they tend to be sleeker because they're runners, not mm -hmm. yeah, bodybuilders. So they don't have to be as jacked, right? They they just have to have a runner's body, which is a little bit different. I think that probably translates to the spandex a little bit better in theory. Uh, possibly, yeah. Because I don't think it needs to be as skin tight as you know to show off all the all the muscles in the same way. Yeah, okay. yeah. But I, no, I I think uh. I think that's true a lot, actually. It's got an interesting kind of structure because it obviously has that third before he gets to the book. Uh, and then, you know, we get to just the start of the story. But Yeah, I mean, I don't, I've not read this before, I think. Um, so, you know, I don't know how that continues. Do we just jump straight into we're in the, you know, in the diary, so to speak? Pretty much. I, I think record. we get like the odd page of like Wally and his grandfather's house, like sort of saying, you know, his grandfather shouting to him, hey, do you want tea with that? You know, there's like an introductory sure. page. And then... Uh, you know, yeah. it goes back out of the story. Yeah. Well, I will say is I, I read this in a, a hardcover I have, mm -hmm. and it's one of those ones that doesn't have the covers, you know, separating <laughs> I'm very grateful that this was a very clear and obvious end of this issue, where I'm like, yep, that's that one. Didn't even have to, like, check. Mm. It, was, uh, it was very clear. I hope that continues. <laughs> Me too. Um, um... I mean, I can. I'll, I'll if I, if I'm unsure, I will double check on on DC Universe. If you're but... if you're reading the Mark Wade Flash Volume One, which I imagine most people who read this now will be reading it that way, whether that's digital or physical trade, um, then the covers are theirs. So it's easy. Yeah, yeah. I'm reading. I've got a, a hardcover collection just up there that you can sometimes see, depending on where my camera's pointing. Uh, and it's like you know, the odd story here or there from various characters, key stories. Um. And, you know, Born to Run was one of them. So I thought, well, I might as well use that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So Interestingly enough is, uh, you know, obviously it's Born to Run and we always call it that, but it is technically the Flash Year One Born to Run. We never refer to this as Year One. Well, which is funny because it kind of is. I guess maybe you could argue the reason why I don't want to call it that is because it implies it's Barry's origin because we kind of think of him as the first, like, Flash of this type. Uh, so maybe... Yeah. I mean, maybe Wally West year one would work. You call it that? Yeah, it could do. But it's it's funny. Like it's in the book. It it literally yeah. just you know on on the credits is Flash year one, then Born to Run. So it's a lot, to the point where I never even knew this was officially a year one in that regard because I've never heard anyone refer to it in such a way. 
Um, but that's what it is. This is clearly the superior flashier one. Oh yeah, compared <laughs> yeah, compared it to well, this because this is it takes its time and actually like establishes all the things and like because it spends time with him not knowing who Barry is, like you're actually kind of excited going to the next issue. Like okay, he's going to find out because he has to know next issue and he has to like learn all these things and he has to. Honestly, know. this this feels like what I expect from a year one. The it only does. thing that is unusual from the year ones I have read before is the framing device. Yeah, but I mean that's fine though. That makes sense. It doesn't. Oh yeah, yeah, no, it's not a problem. I'm not like criticizing yeah. for it. I'm just that separates it from most year ones, which just play it very straight as just this is just where you read this story. Not you know, it doesn't have that framing narrative. There's really nothing else. I mean, there's nothing that stops the other Flash stories from doing that. I guess what makes it fun about this is that it's like a legacy thing, and it's also about remembering like you know Iris and Barry who aren't here anymore. So it it kind of like yeah. plays upon that. Whereas you know when we do like Batman Year One, you could have a framing device, but it's not like there's any big characters from Year One who aren't still around that need the uh, the sentimentality approach, if you will. Whereas because a lot of yeah. these characters are are dead in this part of the timeline, it's like you get why there's this kind of like. You know, oh, let's remember these events, kind of. Yeah, kind of move to it. So it works. It works. So it does. Yeah. What are you giving it? Um, I'm gonna give it a seven point five. I'm gonna give it a nice happy eight out of ten. So there we hmm. go. Uh, that'll take us on to Birds of Prey Manhunt issue one. Chuck Dixon writing with Matt Haley on the art. So, again, we're not into the ongoing yet. Uh, if you're reading the uh, first big Birds of Prey trade, uh, this is the third issue in there. Uh, so it's a four-issue miniseries, so at least the numbering's easy to remember for the next few. This is a story that has Dinah there, of course, with Oracle in her ear, uh, as before. But we do get Huntress, uh, as well as Catwoman, in this story. So, while Huntress wasn't a permanent member of the Birds of Prey till much later, um, I don't even know if it happens in Duck Dixon's run, that may be a, a Gail Simone thing, or in between. Because there's, there's, like there's like a small gap in between, because Dixon writes Birds of Prey to issue 46, I think, and then Gail Simone starts at 56, so there's like a small window. Yeah. I think there's two two writers do a couple of like little bits in there. Yeah. So, I'm not sure to what extent uh, where these changes happen, but but she was clearly like around from more or less the beginning, right? Oh yeah, she's in the universe, sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even connected to the team in this context, like she's with these characters, and and while she's not a, an official member of the team for a while, uh, already you know they're like okay, there's you know the the idea that she's around. I've read. I mean, I've only read maybe the first twelve issues of the main series. I don't remember her popping up in those, but. Doesn't say she doesn't pop up in issue fifteen for all I know. So, yeah. uh, so I enjoyed this. The action looked really good. There's a lot of fun banter. Uh, I will say there's a couple of weird plot decisions. Uh, there's something weird about this this issue or this story boiling down to this bad guy seduced Dinah, <laughs> Huntress, and Selena, <laughs> and they've all got like sort of like ex revenge kind of like on their mind. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, did that, did honestly, that... it's a bit weird. I think, honestly, it, the bigger problem for me was narratively when it got to the point where they were just explaining their turn with the guy. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt kind of grind to a halt. See, I, I don't know if I actually agree with that. I, I, I think 
I, I got what it was doing there. I, I I got this feeling of, okay, it wants to be like, you're watching a movie and you get these flashbacks and they start to become kind of funny how you hear these different versions of how this guy like kind of seduced them and broke their hearts. And my, my bigger thing was just how, how weirdly dated this was. Because like, I, I don't imagine Selena Kyle being like seduced and tricked or even Huntress. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. Dane is weird and, enough because Dane is such a strong character uh, but at least with her, because of her relationship with Ollie, I can kind of see how it might play out. But with Selena, the idea that she's like gets her heart broken like this by by some sleazeball who she only knows for a few weeks or a month, it, I don't know. Like, I mean, she does say at the end that it's not as mushy as their story. So because we don't hear her her story yet, that'll be the next issue. So maybe uh, maybe Selena didn't get her heart broken. Maybe he just stole something from her and she's okay. curious. Okay. Well, Huntress then is kind of weird because I always just think of her as being angry. I can't imagine her falling in love like that and being all mushy and, and whatever. Uh, it's be- <laughs> and it's especially weird that this guy turns out to be like... Because he is loosely connected to what happened in the first issue. The Because uh, they mentioned the country they were in in that first one shot. Uh, like yeah. a lot of what this guy does is like funneling things and and all that. It was it, it was partly connected to that. So it, there is a, th- a through line there to kind of link it together. Um, but you've basically got Black Canary like fighting her way up this this skyscraper from the bottom. Huntress is climbing up from the outside. Uh, there's some joke stuff where like Oracle and Diner are kind of confused as to why they've not sent reinforcements, but it's because Huntress is fighting them all on the roof, so yeah. or the penthouse. So you know there's some fun sort of shenanigans going there. Um, and the action does generally look pretty good. Um, it does establish, uh, you know, that Barbara is very strict on no killing, and Dinah feels the same way. She's just using the gun to, you know, she's like, okay, fire. we're using the gun, just you know, be responsible with it. Um, so no, it's nice that it establishes those things. Um, I do like some of the character beats. Probably my favorite thing in this issue is when oracle realizes that it's huntress and she's like yelling over dana's ear saying no no i've dealt with her before we can't trust her huntress is a list cannon like you can't and then that kind of pays off again at the end where uh selena shows up and it's just and it's you see in com- the, the computer it says 95 percent voice match uh catwoman and babs just puts her head in her hand and she's like oh no oh, not again <laughs> yeah. um that, that was my favorite part of this issue it, it was babs reacting to who was getting involved um to yeah. various degrees so um you know i i yeah i get what you're saying about the pacing i, I think it, it could potentially work um maybe not back to yeah. back maybe there's been a way to like spread these out so they weren't right after each other yeah, maybe if if you had hundreds tell us and then they get interrupted and, ha- and have another little bit of action and mm. then we get the other one that might have helped yeah. um, i think but, it was because they were back to back i felt it this was the moment so i'm talking about feeling weird for huntress because it feels so like against their character the part that really stuck out to me made me feel that way is when she's literally waiting by the phone and then like days pass and she's like just upset because the phone's not rang i can't see huntress <laughs> waiting by yeah. the phone for no man all right <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you on that it is a bit weird uh you know even even looking at the flowers she got and like smelling at the card i'm like she doesn't like flowers. She likes blades. <laughs> like she, she, like, she wants to do crossbow bolts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just um, felt weird. I guess she's just not fully formed right now. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe, maybe what we think of as her is just not there yet. Uh, but yeah. Uh, and then the joke that they both recognised them in the security footage of this like robbery or whatever it is because of his ass. 
Yeah, I actually really appreciated that subversion because about halfway through the issue, there's a page where mm. uh, Dinah's on her knees, and it it doesn't actually show you anything of her ass. Like you know, it it's just the side of her leg. And I went, okay, they handled that all right. And then later on the same page, it does a similar thing with Huntress where you just see the edge. And I'm like, okay, they're not going overboard with this. And then when it gets to the guy for them recognizing it, it's just like, ah, here you go. <laughs> and I, thought, I thought, okay, that actually felt like some visual setup for that. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's a funny little gag. I, <laughs> um, I think it does hurt the because people like to joke about recognizing people from their ass or from their boobs or from whatever. But honestly, you can't really do it. It's just kind of honestly, impossible. <laughs> the only th- the only way you'd really let this work is if it was Dick Grayson. Yeah, because that's a running gag through all of eighty years of comics history. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean it's not really been that long. I'm, I'm sure the ass jokes didn't start until he was Nightwing, but that's the precise uh, point. Yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sure they started um, in in I think it was Birds of Prey. Actually, it was it was Gail Simone with uh, with Nicholas Scott. Uh, oh, was the, it? Uh, that that famous ass shot was was there, and that's kind of really where it started. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, so. No, so so it's just it felt kind of weird to me that we had to do a thing where they're all lovers scorned essentially. Like you know, we've got this lady team up book, and like the right the idea here is to have them all be like mad at like an ex boyfriend kind of thing. Like even though he's not just that, but it just I don't know. Yeah, I appreciate they weren't all quite as bad as Huntress. Like, sure, you know, is like I mean, yeah, I mean, similar story, but no heartbreak. It was I, I was just having fun. Yeah, yeah, um. And Catwoman maybe isn't quite the same at all, but we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah, it's kind of like how in the Supergirl movie, like the 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 plot had to come down to like fighting over a hunky dude. Like I just ha- having them all have to have a romantic past of some kind was just kind of weird. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, um, I get it. But so not as enjoyable as that first issue that Dixon did the one shot, but. Um, I, and here's the Catwoman outfit I like actually <laughs> the end of this one. I mentioned how I liked the one that came after more. This is this is it. <laughs> no, I I. I agree this probably is better um but it doesn't have a green cape this this if you give it a green cape oh yes oh let's use the cape. this is probably my favorite catwoman suit uh i mean i like the goggles one from the 2000s as well i mean i do like that one a lot yeah honestly i think my favorite catwoman suit is, is very similar to this it's the animated series one but it's just like this but in gray okay sure yeah i really like that one sure um <laughs> I'm just laughing at the last page. Bab's just like face palming, saying, "Oh no!" <laughs> when she realizes it's Catwoman. Uh, yeah. So that part's uh, pretty funny. Um, I mean, it flows pretty well, barring the halt for the flashbacks. Um, so we'll see uh, if the issue two can take it to a better pacing, maybe. And uh, you know, because I don't like the banter between the characters, which is good. Um, yeah, they 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 feel great together. Yeah, they do. They do. So even though this plot is maybe not the the best plot idea that Birds of Prey is going to have, uh, I'm sure we'll get to some better ones. But yeah. So what are you giving it? Uh, I'm going to give this a straight seven. It could have been higher, but I'm I'm taking it down for the pacing. Yeah, I'll agree with the seven. Yeah, I mean, I have my problems with it, but it was still an enjoyable read for the most part. And, uh, you know, art's solid enough, I think. Um, Not as good as what we had on The Flash, I think. Uh. You know, just to because they're both kind of of a similar era. Uh, I'm just. I think this is a lot more expressive, and I appreciate mm. that. Um, but maybe the action isn't quite as as interesting. Hmm. All right. Uh, so we'll move on then 
to JSA issue two, uh, which is James Robinson and David Goya writing with Stephen Sadowski on the art. Uh, we ended with um, Scarab appearing last issue to say, hey, fate's in our hands or whatever he said. There was, there was, there was a play in the yeah, words. Only the JSA can stop it. Yeah. So, just going back to my first page because I keep not doing that in advance. Uh, so, yeah, so they're having a meeting, basically. Stargirl's kind of pissed. And I know she's not called Stargirl yet. I'm just... But that's what... It's easy to say in Star-Spangled Kid. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Connor dies from hiccups. Uh, and they're going over a bit of history again. And she's like, oh, look at this painting of the original GSA. And she's all happy. And she's like, you'll tell me what happened, Al? Because she's talking to Atom Smasher. Uh, he's like, nah, maybe. <laughs> it's like, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get this meeting. We've got the classic overhead shot at the table. Uh, and you know, uh, Scarrow's explaining that there's a, a potential new fate. There's three babies that it could be, and uh, everyone basically volunteers to split into three teams and go after and you know find out if you know the one you're looking for is it. So there's uh, one in British Columbia and Canada, one in Tibet, and one in Venice, Italy. So uh, they're going to split into three teams. Um, uh, notable, you know, because Sans you know stands up and says, "Hey, okay, I'll take you know Alan and Hippolyta, blah blah blah." And then Jay's like, hey, you kids want to come with me? And uh, Black Canary and Starman are like, yeah, sure. And then Al just like grabs our man and Wildcat says, I, I guess that leaves the three of us. And Wildcat just looks so pleased it's by this like, development. Uh... <laughs> he looks so pleased. Uh, so Big Portal appears for them. They all travel and they're all leaving. And this is when Courtney gets bored and sort of wanders in. And she's looking at the portal and she's like, okay, there's a thought bubble. Stop and think, Courtney. The best thing right now would be to call someone. Maybe Ted Knight, maybe Pat, or... And then the next pal just her jumping in the portal. <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah, it was really funny. It's, uh, it's, it's Scarab and Alan talking. Uh, no, no, it's... Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Kent. Yeah, it's Kent Nelson. It's this ghost of yeah. fate past, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And and Tung say, oh yeah, not ready for the the entire truth yet of of what was going on. Yeah, they're having um, a they're having a secret conversation after everyone else has left. Uh, and he's like, yeah. hey, you he didn't tell them everything. He's like, yeah, they're not ready for the whole truth yet. Uh, and then yeah. they go through this portal and Courtney jumps in, and it sounds like they're going to the Tower of Fate. Uh, yeah, because there's a whole big thing about how only the earthly representation of it was destroyed because you can't really destroy something that's outside of space and time. You just 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 one little element of it. So. Things are all hunky dory over there. Yeah, so we we have a pretty simple structure for the book then, where we sort of go around the, the, the groups arriving in their various cities. Um, we have Sand's team, and he actually confirms that he wants to be called Sand now, not Sandy. Uh, makes it clear. Uh, I actually love Sand's look. He's got this kind of cool mask on, um, but he has like yeah, it's kind of like hockey mask meets gas mask, but with the goggles. Yeah, um, so. I, I kind of like that, and I, I like that he's, you know, when we see him in combat later, like he's he's got these kind of like pistols, but they're not obviously firing typical bullets; they're firing like blasts and like sand desk things. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so basically, they're here that they're on stream, like, hey, we're here to check for a baby, and they're like, okay, we'll go check. But the the you know sons of Anubis show up, so we get a big combat scene. Uh, and I actually really like the action here. Like I say, I, I love the panel at the bottom of the big fight scene where uh, Sand's on his knees, to kind of firing in two directions, and uh, Alan's firing some green energy out. You know, it's, it's just a really fun little battle. And it's like, okay, so we've checked the the baby. 
there's no ink because there, there's going to be an ink birthmark to signify which the right one is. It's like, well, if it's not ours, then one of the other team must have it. So that's when we cut to uh, the next group. And what I really like about this, the in pacing sense, it'd have been so easy. Like a rookie mistake here would have been to cut to the second group just arriving, like the first group did. And it'd feel like we'd sort of like went back to the start, and it'd feel like we'd kind of reset the pacing again, right? No, no, no. We cut to the next group. And Starman's already holding a baby and like firing at something. Like we're already like mid, you know, the yeah, story. It, it gives you the sense that you know we are picking up right after where they were. It's just that it's taking them, you know, a little bit longer. Yeah, well, I mean, just in the sense that we're already like at that point in the story with the other team, so it doesn't feel like we're losing time. It feels like no, no, no. We understand the start of this because the start of this is probably very similar to what the other team had. We don't have to go through it beat for beat. And yeah. he's fighting the Sons of Anubis, and uh, Jay's doing the whole Moses through the Red Sea. Uh, thing which he says have you ever read the bible and the star man's like no well did you see the ten commandments he's like ah oh, yeah <laughs> i get the reference now <laughs> <laughs> uh so he runs through the water splitting it because dine is in there fighting uh, one of the anubis um and yeah they've got, they've got a pin down in the water and you know as good as she is she can't breathe underwater yeah and there's a great joke here actually when they get back up where Dinah kind of and I, I like the art here actually Dinah's like hair soaking wet and she's kind of tucking it behind her ear and she's like, hey, you know, do you ever think the adventure would end with you getting wet, Jack? And he's like, what are you talking about? You were in the water. I'm not wet. And then the baby pisses on him. <laughs> yeah. I do most like that. I think Dinah's face looks a little bit weird on that panel. Yeah, her face um, is a little bit odd. But at the same time, I mean, it's a little bit weird, but it's also very expressive. Like, I'm getting the emotion or the... Because the, the, the side-eye glance she's given him is coming across, even if the overall face is kind of weird. I think the problem is usually she has a very kind of chiseled jaw solo and she she looks kind of round here you try to tell dana's she's put on some weight is that what you're saying in in, in the in the case of um you know less than a page yeah uh, that's what it feels like like if you go back and look at her the, the previous page you know roundhouse kicking the the son of anubis and then look at her in that panel there is a noticeable difference so i felt it mm, dana two chins apparently currently car <laughs> I never said anything that vicious. <laughs> no, I get what you're saying. Um, uh, like yeah. It feels more like when we cut to the next bit, we've got like this nurse, mm -hmm. and it feels more like her facial model is, has been used for Dinah by mistake. And I actually kind of like just how it makes her look more like a normal person. Because the, the, the scene before when she's like kicking the Sons of Anubis, she's built like a, you know, a, a brick house. She, she's the... She's got this muscly body. She has the perfect slimmest face possible. And then this one, which or here's but even if it's inconsistent, actually looks more like a real person, bizarrely. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that, you know, she shouldn't look like a normal person. I'm saying it's just weirdly inconsistent to suddenly get this, as opposed to what we'd had for the rest of the issue up till this point. Yeah. Um, but the art is generally pretty good, though. I like Jack's reaction to the, the P... Um, and then again, this neatly leads into the next one where Jay's like, well, this baby's not right, so it has to be one of the other two. But we already know it's not, you know, Sans group, so we know which group it is now. So that's when we cut to the others. Uh, and a subtle thing I love here is when they're walking through with the Doctor is the Atom Smasher's head's cut off the, the top of the panel. Yeah, dude's got an ego. He couldn't he couldn't shrink down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So they go and get to the baby, but the twist here is the hot girl's already at the baby. And we knew she was coming because the last issue said, next time, hot girl, or whatever. Um... And she panics and flies off, and they go after her. Um, yeah, Al just keeps getting bigger and smashes through, trying to catch it, and doesn't. 
So yeah. our man just kind of flits on ahead. It's yeah. Like, yep. Sorry. Our our man kind of uses his uh, his time vision at her and sort of sees her past and realizes who she is, and she kind of gets dizzy and falls, and then he realizes that she's on the same side. It was actually, um, you know, she she got called ahead. Uh, her grandpa called and said that uh, Wesley Dodge told told him to protect or told her, or he, he's telling her to go protect this baby, uh, no matter what. So they have the right baby. They have they have the the fate baby, um, and just as they're getting to know each other and. You know, uh, Wildcat's being kind of he's like, well, you're no, you hold no candle to the real hot girl that I knew. It's like, can I give her a break? <laughs> yeah, and she's like, yeah, I've been having these weird dreams lately. You know, there's, you know, ancient Egypt and you know other worlds, and but then there's this other guy, the Dark Lord, but he had mm. another name, but I can't quite remember it. Yeah, obviously we're we're, we're teasing some things there for a fairly soonish story uh, with the Hawks uh, that's going to come up. Yeah. Um, but the, the the last page is this villain, this Dark Lord shows up, and of course his real name is Mordru, and uh, he grabs the baby uh, with them all down. So, um, good cliffhanger, I think. You know, it does a good job of really setting up what the story is, because the first story, the first issue was mostly here's all the characters, right, and um, with a yeah. tease of the story, but don't really get into the nitty of it. This is like, no, here's a simple goal. Here's the characters going to achieve that goal. We we, we leave off in this great cliffhanger showing the villain. Uh, now that we understand what the the, the the MacGuffin is, the MacGuffin, this baby, is going to be the new Doctor Fate. So we understand kind of the the stakes at play as well, which makes this ending work. But then we also have many cliffhangers, like, you know, we know Courtney jumped in the portal, and that's still going to be paid off, so... Yeah, it's actually a really dense issue in that regard, that it's kind of got, like, four sections to it. Um, it's still only, like, 20-odd pages, but it, it has it, got four complete sections. It doesn't feel dense to read, though. It flows really well. There's a, there's a craft yeah. here of making it really seamless going through it, and never feeling like it's getting bogged down um, with everything yeah, that's going it, on. Uh, it, it's purely dense just in terms of the amount going on, not in terms of how it feels to read, because uh, it flows great. Dialogue between everyone is is on point, even even pre-Johns, it seems. Yeah. So, no, really solid. Um, I think it's an improvement over issue one, which I already quite liked. Yeah. Uh, so, I am more than happy, more than happy with this, this issue. Uh, what are you giving it? Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it an 8.5. So that is a GSA issue 2. Uh, and of course, we have one more book. We have this new sixth slot on the show. Uh, patrons voted between four Superman books. The winner was Superman Emperor Joker, which consists of nine issues. And we will be starting with Superman issue 160. This is volume two, of course. So just in case you weren't familiar, because I know some people, you know, started reading the Rebirth or started reading recently. And, you know, our main podcast helps them along with it. But just to explain this context of Su Superman's books here, if you're wondering what I mean by volume two. So Superman, of course, started from issue one, uh, like 1940, give or take, right? It was right after Action Comics. Uh, Superman got his own book. And that's the one that's currently, you know, over 800 issues, right? You know, adding the the the, uh, the, the numbering, which continued. Unlike other books, though, you're not actually adding in Volume 2, because Volume 2 uh, was con was concurrent with the same book. The original Superman book kept going, because when they relaunched Superman after Crisis uh, with John Byrne, they started Superman from number one again, and this is what we call Superman Volume 2. But Superman Volume 1, the main Superman book, didn't go away. They just changed the title. It became Adventures of Superman and then renamed back to just Superman again after about, you know, because uh, Superman Volume 2 had like 200 or so issues and then that went away and the the main book just got retitled back to just being Superman again. So the reason why we specify Volume 2 is because it doesn't actually get included in the numbering 
with the main book because the main book never stopped. It kept going the entire time. Just uh, had a title change. And it's going to be, I mean, this, this is a crossover between all the Superman books of the time, and you're, you're going to see Adventures of Superman pop up as two of those issues, and that's actually the original Superman book. So Superman 160, Superman Volume 2 160. Hopefully that explains it. <laughs> it's comics for you, folks. <laughs> so just to, just to sum that up, there was Superman. Yeah. They rebooted and- with a second Superman number one. The main Superman book became Adventures of Superman. So Adventures of Superman and Superman Volume 2 ran side by side, along with Action Comics and occasionally a Man of Steel book. And then eventually Superman Volume 2 went away. Adventures of Superman got renamed back to Superman with the numbering continuing. So you'll, you'll, you'll notice that Adventures of Superman is like issue 400 and something, 500 and something, because there was a period that was Superman and then so on. Anyway, yeah, continue. Just before we start on this book, so this is obviously the, the Emperor Joker story. That's the trade that most people will be familiar with. And that's if, if that's how you're reading it, that's what it will be called. Yes. Interestingly, this is actually kind of two arcs mashed together because this is the first one. And this is actually called Superman Arkham, which leads into Emperor Joker proper. Yes. And uh, it started off very confusing. I had no idea what was going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it does this thing, and don't get me wrong, it's not too long before it's very clear Mixipetalic is involved, and it's like, okay. Yeah, you you get that after a handful of pages. But the first page literally just starts with suddenly. Yeah. And and you're like, wait, what? what?" (laughs) So we're in a different world where everything's changed. Superman seems to kind of remember who he is, but not entirely. Like there's a line, yeah. there's a line early on where he's like, you know, I know all these things, but I remember that Superman's supposed to be good, or Superman doesn't kill. Like he, he remembers some things, uh, maybe he remembers more as it goes on. But he's actually in Arkham in chains, and he breaks out. He's in a black suit, and he yeah. escapes. And they call someone to bring him in, and it goes to the GLA headquarters on the moon, where Bizarro picks up the phone, and we get Bizarro speak, where he's like, okay, me, me will, we, we, we will not come meaning he will come. Uh, from this point on, I will not say what Bizarro says. I will say what Bizarro means because it's Translation. easier. Translation. Otherwise, yeah. this will get confusing. It'll get very confusing. I also have to like second guess everything I'm going to say if I do that. So yeah. uh, so I'm just going to say what he he means rather than uh, what he actually literally says. Uh, and Superman's confused because there's posters saying that he's wanted for murder. Uh, he's, he's like, yeah. Superman doesn't kill and he you know goes up out of the and sky. And we see there's a, you know, a sign in the background saying courtesy of Lane Corps. Yeah, uh, and we see Mixie watching. Uh, yeah, and he's trying to get Soup's attention, uh, and, yeah. and he's trying to get him, um, but he's obviously not paying attention. So this is uh, seemingly Mixie not being malicious at this point. This is... I mean, it could entirely be that this is not his world. He just is aware that things have changed, and he's trying to actually kind of help. Uh, yeah, I mean, that is often Mixie. As much as he is often antagonistic, he's mischievous and generally isn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, so this this kind of rolls. So you know, I really like Ed McGuinness's art. It's not something that I want in every book, but I think it's got a really fun, like Superman the Animated Series style to it. It feels like, it is cartoony. incredibly animated series, cartoony. Yeah. Uh, everything's huge muscles, hyper, uh, hyper accentuated, but it's it's so fun and expressive. Yeah, yeah. Like I I don't want this for like a serious Superman story, but I think for. You know, like we were talking about earlier where you know, Batman had Batman and, you know, post-crisis that was the serious stories and then Detective was the rompy one. If this was the rompy Superman book we had every month, like, I'd be more, more be than into it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a page coming up in, you know, just like the next page where it's Superman versus Bizarro and, oh boy, the muscles. Like, and, and this is the sort of thing where in 
in some artists would be going, oh, these proportions are hideous. This this looks, in, you know, so ugly. But McGuinness is so cartoony. And Well, look at the uh, a page or two later when Superman sort of bounces off the, the flagpole and Bizarro hits his face into it. It's a cartoon. When Bizarro hits that flagpole... The way he's yeah. kind of smiling as it's like wrinkling his face up. It's, yeah, it's it's great though. It's but yeah, it's wonderful and it's just. I say you know, in 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 a in artists that are more realistic, these proportions would look atrocious, and we'd we'd probably be calling this hideous. But in this style, it's it's uh it's gorgeous. Yeah, into it. And Superman lands in the office of of Lois Lane, who's. Kind of the Lex Luthor of this world, basically. Even later on, we find out she's wearing a wig, <laughs> and she's yeah. actually bald. Uh, there's a a flash of recognition where she goes to call him Clark. Yeah, because he looks up at her and he says Lois, and she's like Clark, and then she gets angry because like you, how dare you call me Lois? I'm Miss Lane. Don't you forget about it. Uh, yeah. And then she's got you know dogs and shit. Um, by the way, does you there's a single issue on DC because I'm reading the trade here. Uh, is there a page of just Mixy with a red background? And he sort of... Because I, I was confused if this was, if this was the cover of the next issue and it just ended the uh, issue. Was this right at the end? No, it's right after um, where Brazil says uh, down, down, and near. Right after that page. There's like a... Just a uh, I don't remember seeing that. Um, I, I think... I'm going to find Zara just to double check. There's a good chance that this is just in the, the trade version because it had to like... Because you know, sometimes like, they've got the two-page spreads coming, so they have to like sort of realign where the pages are sort of falling. Yeah. So it may just be a filler page for the sake of that, but... Um... The down-down in there is fairly early, isn't it? Uh, it's like in the middle-ish. It's right before the graveyard stuff. The graveyard are solitude. Right before the graveyard. Um. Then definitely not. Okay. I was just curious. Because I, I got confused yeah. and was, oh wait, is this the start of the next issue? But the only thing that told me that it wasn't is that uh, the trade does have the issue titles at the bottom in text. It says, you know, Superman 160. So it let me, so I was confident it wasn't, but it it, it confused me Threw for a second. Threw you off. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it goes from, you know, down, down and near to uh, the, the graveyard. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's fighting him at the pier. He's dunking him underwater. That's bizarre what that is. He's fighting Superman. And... Uh, Again, very expressive. I love Bizarro's big, thick eyebrows. Uh, so good. And then Aquaman? <laughs> um, Aqua something. Shows up. Uh, he's got the... Instead of a hook, he's got like an axe, but he's, he's obviously not a human head. He's got like a fish head. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I want this version of Aquaman all the time. <laughs> uh, Bizarro uses his freeze uh, vision <laughs> to stop him. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty funny, um, and Grundy, which was mentioned at the start, but Grundy's actually the one running Arkham right now. Uh, as bizarre as yeah, that sounds, yeah. And, and and there's a Pinky and the Brain joke as well earlier on. <laughs> Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, because it's uh, yeah the the guy there with him is like, so uh, how's this gonna go tonight? He's like, well, the same way it goes every night. <laughs> and I was like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you did as well, um, but. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. Warden Grundy. He's escaped again. What are we gonna do? Do what we do every night, Officer Day. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't help but read it in that voice. Yeah, if if no one's seen it, there's a great video of the voice actors who do Pinky in the Brain doing a scene from Breaking Bad uh, of Walt and Jesse. It's wonderful. Uh, mm. So go check it out. Uh, but yeah, uh, we see Lois. Is, you know, he wears the wigs. Uh, Superman's chained up back in Arkham again, and that's the end of the issue. So. 
uh, you know, he, he escapes and gets caught. I will say I'm excited because the cover for the next issue for Adventures of Superman uh, 582, which is the next one we'll be doing next episode, uh, has got Supergirl on the cover. So I'm, I'm excited to see how she uh, fits into this. Okay. I've, I've not seen that cover yet. Um, obviously, doing single issues. Uh, obviously, DC Universe doesn't automatically suggest 582 yeah. because, I mean, it, it hasn't got... You know that sophisticated algorithms program. It just you know next up in yeah. series Superman one six one, which is understandable. To give to give Comicsology some credit, they actually do have this where when you get to the end of an issue, it'll give you next issue in series, but underneath that, it'll say next issue in story arc, and a lot of them will be programmed into it. So that's quite good. That's fair. Um, I will say in this particular case, the final panel. I don't know if it's edited out in the trade version. Sometimes it is. Uh, in the single issue, does say you know be here next week for Adventure Superman five eight two. Um, so um, it's very clear that's where it continues. Uh, let um, me open it back up because it's just some uh, kids check out our next chapter where anything can happen and sometimes does. That's what it says in this trade version. Oh, so it doesn't actually say uh, it's slightly different because it's in the hmm. S crest. Um, yeah, it is, mine yeah. Says, yeah, yeah, wait, it's a mine white says, S crest. Yeah, mine says kids be here next week for the adventure of Superman 582 where anything can happen and something does. So it is slightly different. So they've actually reworded it. That's kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, which is fine. I don't really care. It's not a big deal. But it's, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes yeah. they'll edit these out entirely for the trade because they're unnecessary. This is interesting that they've decided to change it and tweak it to keep the effect, but not hey next week in this issue, but more just the spirit of what was said. I mean, I'd be happy for them to keep it as it is, just for the sake of like, hey, that's exactly what was in the comic. But at the same time, like, they don't need it in the trade. So yeah, yeah. So I, I, this is kind of a nice middle ground where it keeps the effect of hey, the, here's the cheesy next time in the you know, statement, yep. but without the the detail that you actually need uh, in single yeah. issues. It uh, works. I, I like that. No, I had a lot of fun with this issue. I, I think uh, it looks great. Uh, you know, I would say there was some confusion at the start because I was, I was like, because I, I didn't really know anything about this story. I didn't know there was going to be like mixapitalic world shenanigans. And then we were like, is there some context I'm missing? Do I need to yeah. read issues before this? No, but clearly this is a world Superman's woken up in and is confused as well, and we're going to find out what's going That'll on. That'll be part of the story, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's fine. Um, no, colours are great as well, just to, along with the art. It really helps the cartoony nature of the whole thing. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I really can't ex- express enough just how gorgeous this, this issue is. Like, It's it's so simple, really, in yeah. its art style. Um. There's not a, a lot of stupid extra detail on the characters. Uh, the backgrounds though, are incredibly detailed. Um, I, you know, if you look at some of the the buildings, all the little squares of lights, and uh, it's it's really detailed in that regard, um, but without being overdone. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you giving it? Uh, I'm gonna give it an eight. I am knocking off half a point just for like the first six pages of confusion. <laughs> Yeah, I'll also give it an 8. I nice, saw the 8. So that's cool. Uh, so that wraps up all the books. Uh, I'll do, we'll do a couple of little end of episode things. I think, you know, I think we can pick best art of the week and what our favourite book of the week was. Uh, you know, uh, out, out the sure, batch. Yeah. No reason why not. Uh, so what was your favourite art of the week? And I think it's interesting. Um, we've got different eras here, different styles drastically across yeah, the board. Yeah, um, very different. Um, I think I'm actually going to go with Ed McGuinness on Superman. Honestly, yeah, for me it was between that and uh, and Flash, uh, uh, LaRoque's art and Flash, but I, I'm also going to agree and go with McGuinness. I think it was the most fun uh, yeah. art of the week. For the record, Flash was actually my third choice. Wonder Woman would have been second for me. That's fair, that's fair. Uh, so what's your best book of the week, though? Um, My best book? 
Probably JSA. I was also going to say JSA, which if you check my ratings, is consistent with what I said. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, JSA would be my, my pick for this week as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, this is the weird thing. We don't really have bad issues in the same way that we do in the regular show because these are all... I mean, Batman will vary a bit more than others because it's more of a just everything as opposed to a specific writer's run or whatever. But Yeah, um, but obviously sometimes a run has a... A, a, an off issue you know not its strongest issue yes whereas you know another book might have one of its best so yeah we'll, we'll see some variation uh i do think though that we'll, you know johnsy's jsa is probably going to take a lot of top spots over the week but be surprising but i think me and Cargo talk about what we'll put in the vote for the seven slot because I, I think honestly we can do a seven slot i mean we're only we're just hitting the 70 minutes here i think you know a little variance for each issue time to time uh, i think a seventh book sounds about right to get us to, to, to complete the episode so we're we'll have a second vote on patreon.com slash tv sometime in the near future uh, probably in a few weeks time uh may, maybe have the vote done for the end of the month so we can start the, the seventh book next month um and a couple of episodes. yeah we'll, we'll have the vote um probably dis- definitely decided maybe up before the next episode so we can tell you you know here are your choices to go and vote for yeah yeah well yeah we'll tell you what the choices are next episode that's a good idea so we'll be, that gives us two weeks to pick them <laughs> so yeah uh cool all right so that is uh previously in the multiverse you can of course check out comics in the multiverse every week the the, the weekly show which me and cora do with matt where we talk about all the regular dc books that are coming out uh let us know what you thought of these books in the comments below um if you want to beg for what the options are on that that next vote feel free <laughs> no, no harm in suggesting things i'm not going to promise we're going to take any of them but uh, no harm in it for sure uh, any other ideas for the show feel free to suggest as well um but like subscribe all the usual stuff get us on the twitters at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates or more specifically at dc comics podcast for comic book stuff specifically uh you can of course support us on mail fuzz uh, oh, sorry on patreon.com slash mail tv you can support us for as little as one dollar per month there and you know feel good and keep all the content coming at the five dollar tier is where you get to vote on things and you also get stuff er- uh, early and all the comic podcasts uh, starting this year have been a day early for patrons at five dollars and up and that, that includes comics from the multiverse previously in the multiverse and it will include elsewhere in the multiverse so uh if that sounds like something you want uh go and have a look and you can uh feel feel good about yourself uh but yeah that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening and we always appreciate it uh also look out for our birds of prey movie review uh coming oh yeah at the end of the week so look forward to that i am recording it on sunday i think so we're talking late sunday sometime in monday for the for the actual review so uh, look for that but uh thank you very much once again for watching or listening keep reading dc comics and i don't have an outro for this one yet so just do it posers